Hey gang, welcome to episode 217 wow, of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio, aka my kitchen table here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, we have one of our patented After Dark episodes with our friend Ricky Briganti of Pseudonym Productions, who are now in Philadelphia. This was recorded up in Vancouver because the Vancouver uh, International Film Festival brought both Ricky and myself out at their expense uh, to um, take part in Immersed, which is the uh, VR, AR, XR exhibition uh, and contest now and marketplace uh, that's put on by VIFF along with uh, Vancouver VR Festival and um, Story Tech Immersive. Um, just a really great event. Uh, there's going to be a lot coming out of it. I, I've got to write my notes up about it. Uh, but as this happened on the on the first night, on the Friday night, uh, Ricky and I, uh, you know, went around and and did all the things. Uh, and actually, it wasn't it was not even Friday night. It was uh, it was it was uh, gosh, it was yeah, it was Friday night. Anyway, it all it's all a blur. It's all a blur because uh, we wound up drinking. <laughs> As we do, and uh, and and this podcast is the result. Uh, you know, I had published a column two weeks before. Ricky had written a response to it, uh, and we just wound up diving into it. Um, I'm glad I can laugh right now because uh, this has been a trying week, uh, a trying week uh, as a whole for uh, the nation. Um, just was just. You know, the pace of everything is always crazy. Uh, there's constantly, uh, you know, just crazy news. There's constantly bad news. And uh, today, you know, about an hour before I recorded this, Ricky got some bad news. Um, and I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, read the bad news. So um, this is off the Instagram. Uh, and he messaged me before he put this one out. Uh, it pains us to, so just so you know, they've got a show that was supposed was supposed to open tonight in Philly. And indeed, um, uh, we, we talk about that and we talk about it opening uh, in the episode. But let's jump into this part. It pains us to say Dark Passage will not be opening tonight. Sadly, it is entirely out of our control. As Philadelphia city officials just informed us, there are pending complications of the building where we are located that we were not made aware of previously. We are working on resolving the issues as soon as possible, but this time we do not know when we will be opening the portal as the pending issues are largely out of our hands and have nothing to do with the experience we have created. Dark Passage has come together thanks to the hard work of incredibly talented artists, technicians, carpenters, and performers. We were incredibly excited to finally share it with everyone this evening. If you have tickets for tonight, they will be honored for any other evening, wherever we are able to open, uh, whenever we are able to open. Please stay tuned to this page for updates as we have them. If you have any questions or concerns, you may email connect at questionreality.com, but it may take a day or two for us to respond as we're actively working on resolving this issue. Thank you for those who are excited to visit us tonight. We hate to disappoint you, and we'll do everything we can to show you the fantastic evening of mystery we promised as soon as we are allowed. Uh, and that remains the reality of the work that we do in 2019. Um, Venues are, are, are a difficult thing, um, uh, particularly for the kind of work that everyone is out there producing, uh, and even for, you know, more mundane stuff. Um, 
a lot of you have been asking me what's going on with IDS, uh, when's news. Uh, I remain bound to not be able to say anything um, aside from this. Uh, I have a contract in my hands for the venue, which we will use next year. Uh, and I will tell you, it will not happen in January and it will not happen in February. So uh, if you were concerned that we were going to announce something uh, uh, and just on, on top of that, uh, there's there's been like some everyone's taking on new roles in what we do. Um, so it won't be exactly what it was before. Like no matter what comes, it won't be exactly what it was before. It's going to be different. Um, and it won't be in January and it won't be in February. There may be events in January and February. There may be events related in January and February to, uh, the spirit of, of what we do, uh, and, uh, even directly leading into the event that's going to be later, but the event we've done in the past as it was, will not happen in January and will not happen in February. There will be something else. And it will be after that. And I really wish I could say more because I have the dates. I know exactly. I have the dates. I have the name. I, have the, I, I know where it's going to be. But you have to get everything inked and deposits have to be made. And you, you got to get it all kosher. As anyone who produces stuff knows uh, this. And we, we want to get that information out to you because we know everyone makes, wants to make plans um, but I'm just telling you, not January, not February. And I'm putting all my efforts into an event here in the Southland in 2020. So there, take that part to the bank. Speaking of the bank, <laughs> um, look, um, is this worth, is what we do worth 16 cents a day? I know here comes the pitch because uh, we're down already for the month. Uh, we've lost two two backers. We're down six bucks um, in a month when I really wanted us to push forward pretty hard on the Patreon. Um, is what we do worth sixteen cents a day to you? Um, I hope it is. I, I think there's a lot of our regular listeners are like our, our dedicated core are in. So this isn't for you. But if you hear this and you listen regularly and you're not a Patreon backer. Um, is an episode worth a dollar twenty-five, which is the, which was what a Sunday paper used to cost. Um, is what we do on the website worth sixteen cents a day? All the feeds. If everyone who was in our social media feeds gave us sixteen cents a day, like 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 the the average of all the social media feeds, which is about three thousand people, we'd have fifteen thousand dollars a month as a budget, which would mean. I'd have a real salary in healthcare, <laughs> dental care, um, and we'd have money for um, like another full-time employee and for part-time employees, and we'd have travel budgets, and suddenly we'd be able to do things. Heck, uh, you know, I'd be inclined to start, um, you know, some kind of grant program to get people up and running because that's who I am deep down inside. I just want to see more work get done by everybody. Um, so. Here's what my question remains to you. Is it worth 16 cents a day? That's $5 a month. The Patreon is patreon.com slash no proscenium. Every day is a battle for everybody, and I know it. Um, but 
we're trying here. Um, and, uh, you know, we rallied in August and I hope we can rally again in October because, uh, just to be blunt, freelancing is, uh, not happening. Um, I've spent too much time working on this stuff and the big freelance contracts, uh, that I had, um, went away and there's more and more writers in the market every day and California just changed the rules. So it's looking pretty stark. Um, and I'm talking to some folks about getting some cash injections into what we're doing and building a long term. And, you know, hey, it could all turn on a dime, but I don't want to trust luck. I want to trust you. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. 16 cents a day is $5 a month. Um, and if you already do it, uh, please tell friends, bug your friends who you know don't. Um, I, I hate doing this part of the show. I do not relish it. Uh, and your voice spreading word, uh, really helps. So, uh, if you already give, uh, just spread word, it would be a lot to us. So yeah, sorry to be a giant bummer at the start of the show. Uh, I'm going to do some happy stuff at the end of the show. So, uh, stick around for Scooby-Doo, uh, and, um, sorry, just saw like a, a report about something going on with PayPal. I'm like, what? No, no it, it's okay. Um, the computers, they do the things. Okay. Um, oh, uh, and, um, here's, here's something, uh, here's a good thing, uh, right at the start. And then we're going to do the, the basic, the, the, um, the, the core backers of the Patreon. Uh, we have a meetup. We have the launch party for Delusion Alt-Delete at the Dragon and Meeple on October 9th. Um, you can check out links to how to RSVP for it. There's only 100 slots. It is free to come to. And there's tabletop gaming at the Dragon and Meeple that night. And the fee is waived. So come on down. Um, hear all about the new Delusion from John Braver and Carl Choi. Uh, play some tabletop games with us October 9th at the Dragon and Meeple. Um, it's, it's gonna be fun. Uh, I called dibs on King of Tokyo. Uh, we can play together. Come literally come play with us. Come play with us. Uh, more on that and, and more about play on the back end. Um, and yeah, seriously, uh, we, we need, we need your support, uh, in a real way. Patreon.com slash no The sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Samuel Mustry. Um, all right. Let's um, let's let's flash back to a week ago into happier times with me and Ricky in Vancouver, drunk off our butts. And we are starting recording. This is truly no pro after dark. We are in the JW Park Marriott in Vancouver. That was humble brag. I must start that one over again. <laughs> this is, this is truly, this is truly no pro after dark. Uh, Ricky Briganti is here with me uh, in an undisclosed location in Vancouver, which I just named, which felt like too braggy. Um, the Vancouver, I will say this much: we're here at the behest of the Vancouver International Film Festival for Immersed, yes. which is happening this weekend. Ricky, you're giving the opening keynote. I am tomorrow morning. Looking forward to it. And I'm moderating the jury panel. At uh, the end of the day. I think both of us feel like <laughs> like a bit of like, why us? <laughs> Pretty much. How do we do it? Somehow we are the bookends of the, what are they calling it? The, the new realities in storytelling. New realities in storytelling, which is an absolutely great 
name. By it name. is. Um, and I and I think it, a lot of it comes down to uh, the programming here, which was led uh, by. Um, um, we've been drinking. So <laughs> after dark, uh, it's after dark episode. It's an after dark episode. Um, that story tech immersive story tech immersive. Yes. Uh, and specifically I wanted to give a shout out, uh, to on my, at least on my end, uh, to Caitlin Burns. Uh, so Brian Seth Hurst, uh, heads up and he's here and he's a lovely man. Uh, Caitlin Burns, uh, and I go back some number of years and Caitlin reached out and was like, she wanted somebody from the no pro team. And I was like, we can't get anybody. And like, boom. And suddenly it was me. <laughs> nice. Um, and, and Brian reached out to me because uh, of the the immersive design summit report that I had written earlier earlier this year. There we go. It all it all comes from these things. So um, we've been <laughs> we've spent the past better part of the past twelve hours uh, with some breaks, hanging out or being in the same space. Immersed, if you will. Immersed, immersed in Vancouver. I like this city, by the way. We had a wonderful walk this morning over to Granville Island. <laughs> we walked, I think it was, I think that might have been two miles. Uh, maybe it was less. Uh, we found a lovely puppet store. Um, <laughs> the evidence of which can be found on Instagram. Um, truly lovely. I, it, it's a rare, the, the, the one we don't have videos of. Remember which puppets? Do you remember this morning with the puppets? Oh, right. Yeah. Who, there, there, was which, like, there was like a, a beaver. No, 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 no. <laughs> what was the religious figures? Oh, right. Yeah, we had a small battle between between the devil and Jesus. That's right. Ricky had the devil, uh, <laughs> and I had Jesus in these kind of Muppet puppet forms. Like the They're Mary pretty great. Night. They were great. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, that's over at the Kids Market in Granville. Um, and I just want to note, and look, we've had some good puppet action in the immersive scene this year, at least in LA. We had I Want to Live in Your Mouth uh, from David Brzezicka and Eric Vossmeyer uh, with some help from some some really... Really great puppeteers. I don't know if the, I think it's public knowledge, but I don't want to accidentally say something wrong. Just some really great puppeteers uh, were involved in the production of that and creation of the puppets for that show. And uh, and then I think back to like a year ago uh, when the 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 um, the the puppet up folks did the Happy Time Murders mm-hmm. uh, pop up in L.A. and that well, was the best. Well, now they're at at Not Scary Farm, and right? now they're at Not Scary Farm, which uh, well, I think it's just a stage show. I don't think they're doing right. the lounge. Yeah, that lounge they did in Los Angeles. You didn't get to see it. No, I was so disappointed. I really oh wanted to my see that. God. Yeah. And the f- the funniest thing about that lounge was like. I did not get to go into the back where, where things were happening. I did not know. It was it was a media night. It was super mm. crowded. It was insane. So I just wound up at the blackjack table for like an <laughs> hour on a hot streak with fake money, which is why there's a casino in this hotel too. And so this is where, this is where is. like that, yeah. I told you earlier, like I got the, I, there's a little itch. Like I don't have a gambling right. issue because I know I only win big when there's no money involved. Right, and, and when there's puppets involved. And puppets. So the black, so the, the, the puppet was overseeing the, the, he was like the pit boss of the black, the real human <laughs> being was dealing. But then about halfway through, Dr. Drew Pinsky showed up and the, the guy who was operating the puppet like was like freaking out about it. So he managed to like get Dr. Drew to, come over and talk to him and so suddenly uh, i was trying to surreptitiously take selfies of, yeah. of dr drew above my head talking to a puppet <laughs> because that was the night i had in a in a in a legal puppet speakeasy in in uh, los angeles as you do as you do we're here for viff immersed it is after dark um you had some really you had what kind of whiskey was that you had 
uh, chocolate drink? malt. Uh, I think local, locally it's distilled whiskey. Smelled so good. good. Yeah. Uh, and I've had a couple of beers, so uh, this is this is in true form, and the recorder's actually going for a second. I was like, Are we recording? <laughs> that's I don't that's know. a good thing. Yeah. Um, so this will this will be a bonus pod or something like that. We'll probably crank it out. Um, we we spent the day uh, touring. Um, there was this tech tour. There's also a climate march was going on. So it like, was, we, the, it got in the way a little bit. Yeah. The first, we spent an extra hour in the hotel waiting. And, and I just want to point out, like I've, I've got no qualms with it. I do think that maybe, maybe we missed something cool at the first cause they just cut the first, it was supposed right. to be a crawl, like three things. Right. We missed the sangria for sure. And we definitely missed sangria. Yeah. Pro- probably a good idea. We missed sangria. Um, <laughs> uh, given where, where, where we wound up. Indeed. Um, but, um, I love the fact that like the climate march is happening. Like it seems like there's, it's like the second Friday in a row where there's been action. Right. And I just think about, you know, if the world's going to change, it's going to take a lot more people just like standing up, um, and being present and not just disassociating and just turning to their screens for the answers. And, and the world we get through our screens is, is distorted from what the world actually is. Um, which is sort of ironic because we're at a film festival and screen-based <laughs> storytelling is one of their themes. That is. Um, but I think that's one of the things that we've... The tension between the digital side of immersive and and the live side of immersive uh, and the lessons that can be learned from one to the other and also the lessons that both sides seem to be like stubbornly refusing to learn. Uh, oh, I have been drinking because I'm, I'm not just... Also... I'm, blathering but um that's thematic we've been talking about that for the past couple hours we have yeah, yeah. it's it's been uh an interesting afternoon of of getting uh other viewpoints on on what it is to create immersive and, and particularly digital immersive works and, and in the in the context of beautiful vancouver and, and climate marches it is an interesting sort of split there to be uh transported via virtual reality to these these sort of fantasy worlds and then to also be delayed by something that is that is very real and very important and then to also on top of all of that literally walk across a bridge this morning and see a beautiful view of 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 what you know the world should be i suppose it's it's this weird trio of of thoughts that that run through my head at the end of the day of 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 the different realities, if you will. Yeah, and this place really feels like a super futuristic city. There's like mm-hmm. all this construction going on. There are these elaborate, beautiful high rises that are being built. We, we found the model shop that was on great, Granville, absolutely. Which was that was funky, and we get to look yeah. in the window and see all these models being built of these high rises. Even if some of the high rises are are ghostly empty. Yeah, and our and, and the taxi we were in, and there's no lifts or Ubers here, so right. it's actual taxis. So the taxi we were in, and you you wound up talking with that guy for a minute about how how some number a couple of years ago there were just something like sixteen thousand or something yeah. like that, like empty apartment units in this town, which is crazy. Um, because they were all just being built. All these buildings were built basically as equivalent of like tax shelters for right. Chinese millionaires, right? Um, essentially, yeah, right. Like people offshoring their thing and just doing investments. And then the city started taxing all of them. And then, oh, lo and behold, suddenly they're no longer empty. Imagine that, right? But more being built, and just it feels like it's. It feels like the city is preparing for the city that it's going to be, um, but yeah. in a super aggressive way. And 
we went to the Vancouver Film School where they've got AR and VR uh, tracks that are opening up and real time computer yeah. rendering tracks. Yeah, it's great to see. Uh, I mean, I mean, Vancouver's definitely a big uh, uh, filming, you know, location. It's a, it's a city where, where many many productions go on. Yeah, and and to see the the film school here or a film school here. Um, oh, I think we could say it's the film. School sure. Here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty sprawling. Yeah. Uh, to to be leaning into VR, AR, and actually developing new curriculum and and having the facilities that I would have just absolutely loved to play in 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 my day of you know sort of dabbling in the filmmaking world, uh, that's that's pretty phenomenal. Like just even 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 though we only saw a small sampling today of what they had between their like green screen 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 studio and their mocap uh, studio and and some of their strangely detailed sets that were left over from a former uh what probably was a rather immersive museum oh, you did that's right you we, we our tours were split so you did right. not have the fan of it was called storium okay and it was uh so this this existed it must have existed in the early 20 teens okay because um the film school moved in in 2013 it was only open apparently for two years and it was this kind of living interactive museum about the history of British Columbia. Mm, and one of the things there was, okay. a, there was a giant, like one of the rooms, the room where the green screen was, was one quarter of what was a giant gantry elevator right. that would lower down like through these projection mapped um, videos that you would see that also somehow lowered beyond that to like some theaters where like, actors are performing and that strangely detailed set was apparently part of the uh, first first nations um, diorama mm. or well, diorama is the wrong word like like I- immersive environment and there was like a hallway that looked like a mine shaft because that's right. where the mine shaft was which is like where the now the mocap studio is so the whole building was this um interactive immersive museum like think you know i mean honestly think Meow Wolf meets the Exploratorium. That's, but that's great. You, telling a, the story of yeah. Sounds like I got the I got the cynical version of the tour today. You, you definitely <laughs> got the cynical. Well, but also there was a, there was acknowledgement that like it was only open for two years. Right. Like right. it failed. It failed miserably. But the folks there who were kind of enthusiastic about it on our part of the tour, they were like, "This was ahead of its." They said, "Like I feel like it was ahead of its time." Right. It also sounded like it was really labor intensive. Yeah. Uh, with like a lot of performers and. Like, I don't know if you're going to build an attraction on that scale and you don't have the runway to make it past, you know, three years. I just, yeah, there's a little bit of like, if you're going to make a fixture and you're going to try and so this is, this is true for our world in a big way. And I, I think of something like evermore Right. right now. Right. Like, you need to be able to tough it out and lean it out because if you're doing something that is 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 beyond the curve of where people are, you you got to give them room to right. catch up with you. It's why that even people sometimes like talk about Evermore and like, well, it's only open seasonal and why isn't it open right now? Right, right. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like keep building that infrastructure, invite people in, right. get people into it. Build an little audience, by little. Yeah. little by little. Build your audience. Get people excited. Get repeat customers ready right. to go. Particularly right. if you're not in a, 
if you're in a big urban environment, it's hard. It's hard for a different reason. But oh if you're yeah, off the beaten path. But but it's it it was great to see them at least being able to to use uh, the the remnants of of what was there to to help you know budding filmmakers now whether it's it's traditional film or you know they had, they had I was I was excited to see that they do train people in traditional hand drawn animation there yeah. and uh, you know to to go the traditional route uh, or or the modern VR AR you know there's there's the ability to. Uh, I don't know. I was. I think I wasn't expecting them to to have such a diverse uh, offering, which yeah. was which was great to see. Well, and there and, and there was a there was a scene shop where they had like a whole bunch of lumber mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of flats already pre made. And they're teaching production design there, yeah. which is really great. Uh, you know, building sets from from conceptual, you know, in the computer, but then creating physical models and then executing on a full scale. So it's the whole a whole gamut. And of apparently, apparently that part of that part of their their program. Uh, is a little bit newer and getting mm-hmm. more popular, and and honestly, like I instantly was thinking, like uh, experiential and experiential retail are probably a big part of that. Like all of these, all of these disciplines are are interrelated. Um, and when we talk about immersive, you know, we're talking about things that go beyond entertainment, right? Um, into education, into retail. Um, well, just know. like I mean, filmmaking, it's not just pure entertainment. There's exactly. there's all of these genres there and so there's there's no reason to think that any of these skill sets would be applied only only for that. And I, it's it's yeah, it's good to see sort of the beginnings of of a convergence between the world that we're constantly talking about and 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 traditional sort of media. And we've been talking about Vancouver for like 15 minutes. So like I want to move this past. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, I think we're impressed. Yeah, it's right? been nice. Yeah, it's been, and and looking forward to, uh, you know, I'm I'm only here for a little while longer, but we had experienced uh, a little bit of VR tonight and and talked to some people who are, are very passionate about what they do and looking forward to uh, sort of speaking with with a few more people tomorrow and spreading the word about what immersive could mean. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah. and let's let's kind of dive in. Um, Let's get into some 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 of the rasa, some of the the, the taste, the meat. Um, so we've had a, we've been we've been doing think pieces on NoPro lately, which is new for us. Using our brains, that's Using new. Yeah, we never do that. <laughs> um, but I guess there's ways like sort of like we're starting to share in print form the conversations that we have in text form and on the phone, and when we meet up at places like this, right? And the, the thing that's surprising to me is that uh, it's a little sausage making, but like um, they're doing well. In fact, they're doing better than episodes of the podcast do. They're spreading um, and they're getting people talking. And so the first one we did was um, the one I wrote, those who play uh, was looking at immersive audiences. And I like, I looked at the old like medieval society uh, structure and sort of, months ago had like a flash of insight of like well what well, how would that map to like now right. not just for immersive but for like the kind of fan culture that we have and like the the this this kind of um entertainment culture specifically around gaming um which i think we can learn a lot from um and so broke it up into those who make which are people who make the games and those who play the people who play the games obviously there's kind of an act of co-creation and then those who watch the people who ob- observe the people playing the games uh so passive and active audience and creators um 
and and it's kind of a, a light sketch of of things. And then uh, you dropped uh, you dropped a response track. Um, I can't believe you just my mom. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you should break down yours. Well, I I think and actually since since because uh, I've been I actually I actually used this conversation in our rehearsal the other day. Um, in, in trying to, you know, we're working with our actors um, who, who, not all of which who have had, you know, interactive immersive experience before and trying to spell out to them, like, these are the type of players that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I realized in that moment when I was trying to articulate my response to your article that I want to I revise who I called those who reject play and, and more succinctly just call them those who don't. Mm. You know, if there are those who watch and those who play, there there are those who who simply don't. They whether that means they they don't want to watch or are just not watching, or they're looking at their phone, or they're having a drink, or they're looking at play, and maybe they are rejecting it for any number of reasons that are going on in their life. And I think the most crucial point that I was, I, I guess, trying to make with that is that can be anyone at any time. It's not a specific type of person who intentionally goes to immersive works with with the goal of not participating right. it's more i'm not feeling the, tonight yeah you know whether it's i've got something on my mind or something irks me about this particular performance or i am just needing a drink or i i really need to you know go to the restroom or so i don't know for any number of reasons you might not engage yeah or, or watch for that matter and 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 that's a specific type of person that i think I've been in this position where I've been in a production that I haven't felt it. You know, I'm not, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm just not there mentally. Uh, I'm there physically, but not mentally. But I don't want to leave. I don't want to feel excluded. Mm. I just want to be able oh. to be there. See, that's that's an interesting dimension to it, right? Because, like, I've been thinking of this sort of, I got me thinking about, like, Robert McKee's kind of story and about things like the negation of the negation in his, like, framework where it's like you go through these different beats and like the ultimate, the ultimate kind of like dark point is when like you, you've even like landed on like even like things are so bad that even the bad things like, you know, knocked out. Bad. Mm. Um, and, and it's got me thinking about this as like sort of a state of being right. Mm-hmm. The way you're talking about right now, it's like less of like a class and more right. of like, it's a state of being like you don't want to watch, you don't want to play, you don't want to watch, you just, you just don't want to be there, you're checked out, and, and there's some conversations I've been having lately, like, I had a, Jay Bushman, a uh, friend of the show, uh, literally early friend of the show, like, part of the, the dinner parties that pre-did, Jay Bushman, one of the two people along with Sarah Thatcher, said, Noah, you need to go to sleep no more, so, like, Jay is, <laughs> Jay is seminal to this work, Yeah, and, and he stopped by family uh, at the top of this week, it has been a long week, uh, he stopped by on Monday, recording this on Oh God, it's only Friday. <laughs> oh my God. This is the longest week. What the hell? Oh my God. It is only Friday night. What is happening? America is on fire. Um, what? What is happening? So Jay stops by Thymele and um, he had written a, he'd written a blog post over on Medium. This will clearly go in the show notes. Um, and, and I had to admit to Jay at the time, it's still... I was like, oh, Jay, I haven't read it yet. But like Jay wrote a blog post that was basically about how uh, we talked about, so he broke it down for me. Um, by going to some immersive theater shows, he realized that he has a, a learning disability. Hmm. And he went to uh, an expert and described his um, 
symptoms and the things and uh, no let me not say symptoms describe the things he experienced in these shows right and they said oh yeah this is this you'll probably also have had this that and the other thing Interesting. and he's all like oh i've been dealing with this my whole life it has to do with the thing about hearing mm-hmm. and about like about uh, uh, processing auditory information right specifically right um and so you should read jay's blog post but Jay said, you know, it got him thinking about the ways in which we as designers are maybe, without even realizing it, either excluding or pushing people away from what we're making. Right. Which totally led me back to, because literally, like, the next day we dropped your piece. Yeah. Um, led me led me into this, this thought process of, because, I mean, I read your piece by then, um, about what are we doing as a community to approach these ideas of why things aren't connecting? Right. And do you take sort of the outdoor artiste attitude of, well, they just don't get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. But you know, sometimes I mean that's va- that's valid it if happens. if you're if you're trying yeah. to say something specific yeah. and and yeah it's just it's, not resonating I mean that could be on you it could be on them but right. either way if it's not clicking it's not clicking right. and that's fine but it's in but it's a missed opportunity when we don't examine well why is it not clicking right well for me I mean my my head has been for quite some time now as uh you know we with with pseudonym uh are trying to figure out how to create a scalable sustainable business that's that's like number one on my thought process because because you'd like to keep on doing this and i don't know start a family yeah yeah and (laughs) and like actually do this for real full time and 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 not be you know out of pocket for everything constantly and so and not necessarily just make like marketing activations right or you and Sarah no no produce but like you were saying produce the artistic works but have it have it resonate on different levels for different people um and and so the the thoughts that I'm constantly having are are if there are only a a subset of people in the world that are really you know excited about this type of work from a a perspective that we've been already delivering it that a, a come and be part of the story and live your adventure and all of that sort of thing if there's that's only a certain portion of people in the world that are like yeah that sounds great and then there is another portion of the world that are totally cool just watching stuff and that's a lot of people certainly yeah um there's still on top of that there's this whole like untapped portion of the world that just want nightlife just want cool things just want environments just want to be somewhere different other than their house or their work they want that third place to be and 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 those people don't necessarily need to hear or understand or get a full emotional you know uh, journey that the artist was trying to get they just want somewhere cool you know i i think i think those people still i think a lot of those people fall into even some, like some some broader categories or like they they they, they divvy up in certain ways like when you just want to hang back and just kind of observe you might not want a story but i feel like that's a different kind of watching like you want to people watch right sure there, yeah. there's there's that but i i think maybe maybe to that point what it is 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 watch maybe is not the the best word because mm. 
I can be somewhere and I could, I can technically maybe be casually watching, but 90% of my attention is more on the people I came with or the drink that I ordered or the environment that I'm looking around and sure, I guess you could say you're watching the environment, but that's right. a little weird. Um, so, so maybe it's, it's those who, play and those who i don't know i don't want to say those who exist because that's <laughs> well, but i also <laughs> but, i mean also kind of think of like some of what you're describing is a kind of play it's just maybe they don't want to play your game sure that's, right? you keep using this hammer analogy yeah the gold hammer and the nail like you know if, if if you've got if you see if you see everything in terms of like the thing you're trying to do so it's just and it's, it's valuable like like seeing everything as a nail can be valuable because you understand how to use a tool and you you humans are relatively efficient in some ways not in all ways but once you found a solution to a problem you try to test that solution out against the next problem you right. find hence the hammer everything looks like a nail and you hope it does work and honestly you know you can drive a screw into a wall with a hammer right let's be clear it about just that takes some extra extra force <laughs> yeah it takes some extra force and a little harder to get out right. um but like you know really messes up the wall um so not a great idea but i i think of something i think of the scenario of like the person who wants to the person who wants to go to you know, Manderley uh, at, at Sleep No More right. or go to Oga's on Batu. Sorry, right. sorry. <laughs> um, or, no, that's perfectly valid. Yeah. I mean, that's where my, my head's constantly in the theme park world. And this is what theme parks have been doing for years yeah. is offering options for people. Yeah. Nobody who enters a theme park is required to ride a ride. Right. Nobody's required to talk to a, a character or, or watch a stage show. You could sit your butt on the park bench on Main Street and eat ice cream and leave yeah. and you'd have a perfectly fine day because the, that's what you wanted to do the best part about having for the first few years i was in southern california and it's still true the best part about having an annual pass at disneyland was the days where i'd say you know what i'm gonna go work i'm gonna i'll, I'll maybe yeah. i'll ride a roller coaster literally california screen before it was the incredible coaster <laughs> uh and then i'm gonna go sit in the grand californian and I'm going to get my work done for a while oh, and yeah. enjoy this, particularly at Christmas time when there's a giant Christmas tree yeah. and there's like the piano know, playing, the fireplace. Yeah, it's and wonderful. Hor horchata spiked uh, <laughs> hot chocolate. Right. You know, and you're just like, this is perfect. Yeah. And I'm getting what I need to done done. And then they caught on and they <laughs> chased us all off. And sure. Let's do it anymore, which is, you know, forever the cat and mouse game with Disney fans. Right. But, but, you know, there was a way in which I was making my own fun. And and they gave me the sandbox. Like this is for me. It's like what what is a what is a good sandbox? Do like I think right. to, to go to video games. Right. The the, the equivalent is uh, Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. Right. Grand Theft Auto's got a story, and all these things. But also, it's just like yo, you want to just drive around right. and screw you, around. You, you and, can ignore all of that if you want to. Yeah. Like endlessly. You, endlessly, you can just listen to the radio and drive around. Right. You're still playing. Yep. But you're playing your game, and I think. I think uh, a mistake here that some makers in in our space do on both the digital and the live side, particularly more on the live side, but the digital because the digital's got other issues. Is right. They don't give people place space to play their own games. Sure. No, that's right? that's absolutely right. And if that's the case, if we're redefining what play means, then play and watch are absolutely sufficient to describe. It's just a matter of what is it that you're playing. Yeah. If if the framework of an experience is you can play with your friends. You can play with our actors. You can play with the space. You can play 
for lack of a better word with yourself uh, <laughs> and 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 you know but the point there is if that is 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 all of the options available to you and you get to choose which version of that including just sitting in a corner and in listening to the music like yeah. you said that's totally fine as long as that is fine though i guess that's the key is there's so many things that are hammers yeah. and they force you to be that nail and if yeah. you're not being that nail and you're just not for whatever reason wanting to do that then you are rejecting the experience that has been given to you and you're kind of out of luck and that's where a lot of people leave going oh i didn't know what i was getting into yeah and i tried but it just wasn't wasn't working for me you know i keep thinking of people who've who've have conversations where other folks have sort of set some things up where they try and create a nice kind of neutral space or their idea is mm-hmm. that we're going to create this this lobby lounge and from there there's going to be things beyond the walls you can leave the room and go right. counter. Theater Macabre kind of had a bit of this setup mm. when when they did it, and that there was a central space, and you could kind of kind of follow things out. Then it usually kind of led back to it. Sleep No More has a little bit of that, but like everything's kind of on a tightly tracked, and and there's that the the mask becomes a proscenium, the veil right. between between you. But this idea, but also you can just go to Mandalay, right, and go drink at the bar, pull yourself out, take your mask off, right. Right. But, but there, there's a feeling that you are removing yourself from the experience. Right. And yet it, it is that liminal space that you're removing yourself from the experience. And yet it's because you've taken the mask off, but you're, it's a threshold space and right. it's a big threshold space and the singers and the mood and the right. drinks. It's still part of it. It's still that world. Yeah. And but, you wouldn't be able to get in there unless you had paid that admission. So it is it is part of it. Even if you're you are choosing to not engage with the rest of it, that's fine. Yeah. As long as you're enjoying yourself, you know. Yeah. The absolute critical thing. Right. Are you enjoying yourself? How many how many ways are we enabling people to enjoy themselves? Um and and you know, it might not be the story you're trying to tell. Right. But I don't know, I always think about, you know, I think about film and I always have the saying, you know, the the final, the director doesn't have final edit, even if it's in their contract. The audience has final edit right. because the movie they remember, that's the movie you made yeah. for that person. Right. Even if it meant they sat in the back row of the movie theater on their phone the whole time yeah. because they had other things going on or they lost interest or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's what they took away. That's what they took away. And for, 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 for that person. So, you know, you can, you can, all you can do is try and find a line in to invite someone in the critical moment for me. And then she fell was, was the white queen asking, would you like some tea? And, and it was the, it was the second scene that happened to me, but like the first scene that I had after the initial lobby scene, mm-hmm. I was not into, mm-hmm. I was like, this is, this wasn't it wasn't working for me. And I was upset mm-hmm. at, that I had gone out, spent the money, right come out to New York and just been like, and literally was thinking, why am I here? Yeah. And then I was invited. I was asked to come play and, and then to pull it back to like Jay's thing of there are folks who just like, there may be something standing in the way. What ways are we signaling to people because of either mobility issues or, 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 
issues around hearing or sight or or even cognition. even yeah even if it's not as complicated as that but it's it's life or or context or content yeah you know there, there's there's all kinds of reasons why somebody might disengage yeah but that doesn't mean they can't still want to be there and, and enjoy some version of even if it's not the exact version you want them to have yeah i think there is there's some flexibility and freedom that we need to have in in this design process of of immersive works that uh, unless it is that strictly artistic vision where i i want to get these beats across and i must deliver them um that has its place but for me at least personally i'm really interested in finding ways of of offering flexible systems i mean we think of all things of the um the novelization of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> okay. Uh, because when I was a kid, um, one, didn't have a VCR, um, but two, the novelizations usually actually came up before the movies back in those days. Um, and uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, even though it was rated PG, it was one of the, it and Gremlins were, were the two movies that led to there being PG-13. Mm-hmm. Because of course, as you know, in Temple of Doom, if you, if you've seen it, you know there's a sequence where a man's heart gets ripped out of his chest. Sure, right? it happens. You know, as, as one does uh, in in incredibly, and I'll say it, in incredibly racist movies in the 80s <laughs> that were made by guys with good intentions. Right. Uh, who were just like, oh, yeah, like, what do they know about that? Let's go for it. You know, sure. like, the thuggy were bad. You know, <laughs> like, mm, um, mm, guys, mm, um, <laughs> now, they're probably not embarrassed about it now, but maybe right. they should be. Um, uh, still. And and also, uh, you know, not, not one of the two best uh, Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> um, uh, that would be, of course, Raiders and Last Crusade. Um, just just fight Nazis. Always fight Nazis. If you have a Pretty choice, much. fight Nazis. Not aliens. Not not aliens. Well, look, we're not going to do. Look, <laughs> we can. There's another podcast. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is another podcast. Um, the point is that I was not able to see the movie in the theater for various reasons. Uh, between mom and whatnot, but I had novelization, and so I experienced that story the first time I experienced that story as a novelization. And there was a comic book, and like there's all these ways you can access certain stories, right? The 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 act of adaptation is is a a, a big part of the storytelling industry. And a big part of one of the ways culture reproduces itself. And it's almost as if when you're making and something experiential, you almost have to be thinking as someone who's adapting their own work. Even when it's the first time that work exists, I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I, do you see a seed I, of what I, I'm trying I, to I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it, in some way it even ties into when we were at the the tech demo exhibition earlier and and you said you enjoyed uh the one vr experience that also had a a comic book component to it yeah and i i think there is definitely something there about delivering yes your your artistic vision in a way that resonates with people on the level that they can enjoy 
not necessarily the way you personally mm. would want it. Like if you were experiencing your own work, great. I want it to be this way. Yeah. But maybe this person wants to just read the comic book version and they get a lot out of it. You know, maybe this person wants the the casual version. And, and that's right for them. You know, maybe they don't need to be dragged into a dark room and have somebody stroke their hair to get the same effect out of it. Or, or you know, like you've got something like totally standard and you've also made, made that version of it. Right. I mean, well, it doesn't make me think about like what is when I look at something like, you know, um, Temple of Doom or the 1989 Batman or. Um, you know, something where, uh, like, like a, a film that's, that's been an adaptation of a movie, like the English patient, right. Which, <laughs> which I've never seen, but, um, but, but where it's available in a, in a, in a different form mm-hmm. and in that active adaptation, you're, you're trying to figure out what's the essential part of the story. What are the values? What, what's, what's what's the essential thing that's being communicated through and can that can those themes can those values can those ideas can they be transmitted through a different means and a different medium Mm -hmm. right and and if what you're talking about of like we're going to build a place where yeah there's this story and there's a linear component to the story and there's going to be actors, but there's also this place. Right. And this place is conveying. Right. I mean, I mean, that does go back to more traditional themed entertainment design. It's, it's, it's what, what is, what's the bare minimum that you, you need your audience to take away. Do, yeah. do they need to know that they were at this place? Do they need to know that this character exists? Do they need to know the full story of this character? You know, what, what is that? And okay, how do you deliver that in a variety of ways so that they can walk away, whether they played, watched, or just sat there. And, and if they told their friends, oh, what did you go do last night? Ah, oh, I was in this, this crazy world where, where I got to do this. Is that enough? You know, whatever yeah. they just said, is that all, is that good enough? Or, or do you need them to be like, well, I got, I got dragged into this thing and then I was with this person and then this whole thing happened and this and that, is that ob- obligatory? You know, and then you kind of answer your own question about what version of this you need to appeal to. See, I think, I think it's almost like you got to, you've got to demonstrate how the world shaped those characters. Mm-hmm. And if the world you can demonstrate clearly how the world shaped those characters. Then you can also demonstrate how the world could shape you. Right? Like what are the circumstances of this world that drive the behavior of the characters? And particularly if you're going to make someone a protagonist, I think of, I go, it goes back for me always to like um, justification endowment games in improv. Uh, particularly, um, you know, the improv tradition I was raised in, raised in, <laughs> like, <laughs> we had the old religion. Uh, we had Keith Johnstone's impro, uh, was Keith Johnstone's impro. That's my old religion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the framing there is justification endowment games where you, you strip things down and, and one improviser, um, uh, endows you with a quality, be it a name or that you're a dog or what, or that you're both running for president you know, um, and then the other improviser justifies that endowment through their actions, mm-hmm. usually verbal, but when they're when they're a better improviser, they actually just embody it, right? And so, 
you through that you show how action is reaction to stimuli in an environment and if you've set things up properly and you're looking for a particular reaction you know that's one of the things you're giving people a chance to choose and like sort of say yes to and if the environment keeps on doing that and producing this kind of rep replicable behavior from people then even if someone's leaning back and observing they would be able to tell you oh yeah i was in this place and it's all about the art of the deal right right like it was absolutely beautiful and stunning and sorry 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 <laughs> seriously sorry i've been drinking and it's been on the news all day today uh the brain just went there apologies um like deeply deeply shameful sorry um nevertheless beautiful <laughs> just <laughs> stunning um you wouldn't believe um but like you're in this place and like it, and and that values embedded in right. in all the behavior that's going on around you right and that it's inviting you to take these things and then yeah at the end of the day if someone to school's like i have no interest in going to that place right that art of the deal place oh i'm so not going there then if somehow if they wind up there, then it was some trick of marketing that landed them there. And congratulations, you got their money. Sure. Well, but I mean, <laughs> even that, even that, like you, even if somebody shows up on a fluke or is dragged by a friend, you know, that happens all the time. Like, oh, let's go to this thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know about Whatever. that, but sure. Uh, you still want them to have a, a good time. You, do. you know, so that's to me, it is, it is probably a difference in, 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 how you approach creating work but to me it is more important from a strictly like hospitality standpoint that everybody who comes through everybody who pays you to enter your experience walks away with something redeemable for them something that they can walk away and be like yeah that was great maybe it's not the thing you wanted to walk them to walk away with but as long as they walk away feeling good and that they got their money their money's worth out of that experience that's fantastic and and you can yes it can be just the the nugget of like oh yeah i went to this thing and they tried to you know make me think that i was a part of this world and yeah it was fun it was it was cool great you know that's a good thing they walked away and that is somebody that normally wouldn't have been there and if you tried to force upon them this crazy elaborate thing that they just weren't feeling it they would have probably reacted very negatively and ended up with one of these you know stories that we read all the time like oh i went to this thing and they made me do this thing and i didn't want to do that and then you know you, you never want those those stories yeah. to come out of it yeah well i always think there's a line in james Carson's finite infinite games like those who must play cannot play right like if you force someone to right. play your game then they're not going to be able to bring the part of themselves that actually plays right right, right. there's there's compulsory play is not true play and that's the response that I've seen so much, which is wonderful to see everybody's responses to our, our pieces that we wrote and people who are starting to figure out. And so many people were like, yeah, you know, I went to this one immersive experience and they wanted me to do this. I really didn't want to do this. I did it because that's what I paid for and that's what I was supposed to do. I didn't know I was getting into that, but I did it and I hated it and, and I, I won't go back. Yeah. Like, like, who's the winner there? Nobody is. Great, you made them do a thing. They hated it. Yeah. So you, 
like that's not good, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's not the type of thing that we want to want to pursue as an industry is 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 being so out there and so avant garde or niche that we are having people do things because you told them to. You know, unless they've already told you, yes, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I'm willing and I'm excited about doing things that I might not normally do. That's a different context. Yeah. And I think like when people signal and part of it's like a marketing issue. Right. right? And like a signaling that's like, are you down for whatever? Right. Then walk through these doors. Right. right? But that's that's instantly a niche product. Right. And that's that's when I'm talking about this this notion of getting, you know reaching more people and 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 you know a niche product but on some of those niche products like pretty successful in that niche right like serving oh yeah so everything it's like you look at i mean you look at blackout right which actively aggressively i mean literally in their pre-waiver information it says these are the rules we expect you to have if you come here and you pay your money and you enter right. our doors, we as, we assume that you read our rules. If you didn't, you're an idiot <laughs> and you don't deserve a refund. Right. Which yeah. I don't I've been drinking, so that might not be verbatim. It's it's pretty close. But I'm pretty yeah. sure it's pretty close to what it actually <laughs> it says is. in there. Yeah. yeah. And it's like And there's nothing wrong with that because that's what they want. That, and I'm not saying don't do that by any means, but and and it draws a big big black box and says right. like this is not for you and right. someone may look at this and be like oh look there are people who who will go and see that and be like how dare they not make <laughs> something for me well but but the flip side of that is is the, the blackout folks are the first to admit they have a terrible business model yeah that they they absolutely. they had a fantastically successful kickstarter that helps them actually pay their actors what they're worth which is wonderful right and meanwhile they're they're not going to be paying themselves much of anything yeah and and that's fine if that's that's totally like don't not do that just yeah. because we're like saying oh we have to appeal to to all kinds of people no i'm i'm, I'm simply saying if we want to grow if we want to create things that that scale and reach more people don't reach like 20 people a night but reach like 200 people a night or 500 people a night well, you be- have to make some concessions and because because of the nature of the beast like it is inevitable that there are hundreds and thousands of people who would respond very well to right. that challenge from blackout who have no idea that it exists right of course right like i think or or are dissuaded by those who showed up and thought ah they'll th- this will be fine and right. then it wasn't right and then they go on tirades and and yeah. you know so. and 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 there's look i mean like you should a big part of it is like say, setting expectations mm-hmm. is part of your experience design. Absolutely. And if you aren't making the effort to set expectations, then you're hamstringing yourself because your audience does not walk through the door. Your players, your participants, when you're doing interactive, that person is a co-creator. And you must brief them. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not yeah. breaking the mystery or the no. story. You can be very literal and, and overt about it. You know, we're we're in a week opening up our new Halloween experience and and we are at check in, at ticketing, going to tell every single person that comes in, Hey, this is what you're getting into. 
this is what it is. This is what it's not. This is how you're expected to behave. Here are your options for the night. Go do this, go do this, go do this. Have fun. Yeah. It's up to you, you yeah. know? And, and then, well, okay, okay, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to do this. I'm not supposed to do this. And, and there it is. And it's, it, it's very simple. Yeah. Like, just tell people. <laughs> you can tell people and there's also there's other there's there's other approaches if you want if you want a, a more subtle approach there are other ways to set expectations if you're willing to take the time and you can like, solidify it too, yeah. demonstrate yeah. yeah oh i mean whew, like monkey see monkey do right the best is like walk people through it yeah. like literally like yeah. look i mean sometimes it feels like i'm taking crazy pills because like <laughs> you know we were talking about tutorial levels in games right. and we were talking about things like look at the Arkham city games mm. and how they do tutorials for that and how and we we're doing that years ago. And this idea of that you can give people the tools to understand the experience they're going to have and how they interact with the world. And then if you've built your thing, right? Yeah. If you've built your thing, right, you can take a simple set of verbs and then let your participants start experimenting with how those verbs go together right. to make all the different sentences and paragraphs and passages in this story you're telling together. The fun thing is, you as the designer, you control what verbs work in your world. And, and how strongly those verbs are said. And how and how they resonate. Right. Which verbs have more power than other verbs. Right. And I'm being specific by saying verbs here. It's about action. Yeah. What actions are viable? And how does the world respond to those actions? And what happens when you start, you know, trying to get a c -c 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 combo breaker, <laughs> right? You know, like you put yeah. them together and right. suddenly you're like, oh my God, I just Hadouken that actor. Yeah. Please do not Hadouken. <laughs> Your actors do uh, not shyrukin, and 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 that is the difference between as as we've been talking about the play and and watch and 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 how you can move between those roles or classes very easily and and at your own free will because if you know those verbs, you could test out a few of the play verbs. You're like, all right, I like that. I didn't like this. Maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I'm just going to hang back for a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and you can figure out what works for you. And, and that's really important because because the intimacy and the, the personal uh, nature of, of immersive works means it's not just by very definition going to resonate in the same way with everybody because everyone has their own personal space yeah. and their own personal approach. And, and what is comfortable for somebody is not immediately comfortable for somebody else. And if you want everybody to get there, great. Spend the time to make to allow people to understand that on their own. Don't force them. Also, I think there's something about giving your actors the agency mm -hmm. they need Absolutely. to to do that. Like there was a show recently where um I uh I I created a possible solution and they they shut that down mm. it was it, it was no big deal like because i knew structurally they 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 weren't prepped for that right like th the actors were not empowered to run with a third way right right um which diminished my amusement to no end right 
you know, it would have been, it would have been fun to do it. There are times when I realize I think of the role of the immersive participant as, oh, I'm the scene partner of the actor. Mm-hmm. And there's other times it's like, oh, I'm the director. Mm. I'm directing this scene through my reactions to their performance. Right. And when you give me narrative agency on top of it, well, now I'm writing as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and if you tell me that I only, that, that not, that's the thing. If you tell me not only what verbs I can use, that's fine. But if you also tell me what nouns I can use, you start controlling all of the things. Right. Then it starts to be a little bit like, you know, D&D fourth edition <laughs> where you, you could do very prescribed things yeah. because they were trying to replicate the experience of clicking on a button in World right. of Warcraft. Right. That was not a popular edition of Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. I just want to point out for the record. Um, but on the, on the other side of that, if, if, you know, you brought up actors, if it's like, okay, here's, here's base level for everybody. Everybody needs to get this from you. Everybody needs to know this, know these verbs, know these nouns. But when you encounter those, those rare folk who are bringing with them their own verbs and nouns that Mm -hmm. are really exciting and totally well within what we are excited, you know, also excited about, why don't you also use those same verbs and nouns? They weren't part of your base level, but if you're okay, they're okay, and it all makes sense, and it's not going to interfere with anybody else. Particularly if the actor knows what the character wants, right? And your and your story is more character based right. than plot based. If you've gone that route, then then it, then they will pursue their objective, yeah, right, and that will drive your plot back, yeah. If your thing is dependent upon, well, no, this plot mechanic must go to this plot mechanic must go to this plot mechanic, right. then you're already in a much more passive mode of, of, of telling. Which, again, that's, that's fine. It's fine. That's, yeah, that's it's your fine. choice. It's just a matter of, yeah, picking the version, but doing it intentionally. Right. Not, just, not just throwing open the door and hoping that everybody plays the way you want them to play. Yeah. But I also think that there's something where, and, and look, I know a lot of stuff gets turned around pretty quickly. Right. And... Like plot is plot's the dark side. It's quicker, <laughs> easier, more seductive. If I give you a plot to execute on, then you know what to trust, you know what to go for, and right. then you will you will smash everybody. That plot is your your hammer and the participants are nails, and you will get the plot done. But anyone who's played a role playing game knows that when when the the plot train is running and everyone's railroaded People get burnt out. People get bummed. People feel very frustrated. Right. So, but when when it's character motivated, then you know what? It's perfectly acceptable that a character, given sufficient motivation, just will not budge from what they want. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and that can be an incredibly fun scene to play. If you're opposite, like let's, I'll, I'll use an example from 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 LA scene. Like you're in a scene with. Ozma from the Kansas collection mm-hmm. played uh, the 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 Eve bad Ozma just so you know there's a good <laughs> Ozma too but so so played by Genevieve Gearhart right and like imagining trying to get Ozma to like give up what she wants impossible why because that actor knows exactly what the character wants right. and instead what they will start to do is they'll start trying to whatever you're running at they will start bending it back towards what they want right like a truly willful person would do. Right, and that, that's that's ultimately the case. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... None of it's necessarily easy. 
Oh, no. <laughs> to, especially as you start to try to reach out to more and more people and make sense of it all and have, have people all play or watch well together and not interfere with each other in their, in their lovely evening of entertainment. Yeah. And that's, that's the big challenge. Speaking of big challenges, uh, it's, uh, it's getting late. You've got prep work to do. Yeah. little, little talk thing oh, tomorrow. Tiny talk. Yeah. Shorter than this talk. Yeah. Actually, I was, I was gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna point out how long it was just, but, but, um, yeah. Also, I think I'm fading. So, <laughs> likewise. <laughs> All right. Um, Ricky, uh, this will go out as a bonus pod, I think, in the week to come. So, uh, let people know about what you got coming to yeah, Philadelphia. Absolutely. So, Pseudonym Productions is in Philadelphia now. And uh, October 4th is the date on which we open Dark Passage, a new. Uh, immersive Halloween experience in which we employ some of these very conversation bits and try to create uh, some kind of crazy evening that's an open world and allows you to play as you wish to play. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but we'll be running for 20 nights and uh, exploredarkpassage.com is the website for it. All right. My gut tells me that uh, this will probably air on October 1st because that's the day that the Libsyn rolls over and um, won't cost us a thing to put this up. So Great. We could, well, I'd say we could do this for more hours. We have been doing this for more hours. So this <laughs> is like this trying to like cap it all. But um, all right, um, you got to get back to your room. I got I to gotta crash out. So thanks, Ricky. Good night. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, <laughs> I um, I do what I can to keep everything uh, light and bright as much as possible. Um, but, you know, uh, about two hours since we got news that uh, that the show um, was uh, was was not going to happen tonight. And um, I asked Ricky, you know, did, did we still want to, do he still wants to run this? Was he still okay with us running in this? Cause I, I got other episodes that I could put in the can, but uh, the immediacy of what we were doing and, um, and, and wanting to kind of stay in the spirit of, 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 you know, just the way the week was going, uh, before that news, uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, uh, look, man, um, it, it, you know, the, the good happens, the bad happens, uh, next week will probably be amazing. Uh, next week, uh, the ink will probably be dry on contracts. Things will be fine on, on, on my side of things in terms of, you know, where things are going with the big event. Um, hopefully there's some rallying on the Patreon. There'll be some other good news. Um, things will just start to click, click, click into place. And, and, and this will just be one of those little dark moments. Um, uh, and, and there are there are green shoots out there. Uh, for example, just last night, uh, we went down to Crossroads uh, Escape Games in Anaheim and checked out uh, both the seance and the hex room. We had never played the hex room. Uh, and it was me and Catherine and Anthony and Kevin and Will and PG, um, which just just being able to, like, get a crew together like that of those folks just just clever, smart, 
insightful people who I enjoy spending time with and would enjoy spending time with even if we weren't doing this this kind of insanity. And to get to talk to Madison and Luke, who are just delightful uh, in of themselves and who are just like, they make amazing stuff. And the seance is... Oh, the seance is a freaking gem. And if you don't have tickets for it, um, you need to stop, pause, go type in Crossroads and go get yourself tickets for the seance. Um, I'm going to be either Kevin or I are going to write the review up. Um, we're, we're debating that uh, which one of us we both saw it. Uh, we'll have a review up on Monday one way or another. That is our guarantee to you. Um there's that work. There's that work we do. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's a busy season right now. And there, there are shows we're not going to get around to reviewing just because we're all spread so thin. Catherine's going to be at Indiecade next week, uh, moderating the keynote with Jenny Weinblum of, of Meow Wolf. Kevin's got to go to Australia. Anthony's got Cub Scout duty. I'm going to without walls in two weeks. Um, we're, we're keeping it busy. Um, and you know, we've got, We've got runway. We've got runway pretty much to the end of the year. Um, and and there's 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 brilliant stuff going on. And I, I want to try and as much as possible to focus on the, the brilliant work that is being made and not all the massive obstacles that get in our way. It's one of the reasons why when I did the Immersive 101 this week, I didn't talk about the business side of things. I talked about the art side of things. I could have talked about the business side of things. That would have been freaking depressing. Um... Because the business stuff is hard for everybody, all right? doesn't matter what business you're in right now. You can be in the food business. You could be just, hell, you could be one of these, you know, multinational, hopeful, you know, car sharing companies. Uber and Lyft are going down, and those were the unicorns, right? WeWork was the unicorn. All these things, you know, all these things that Silicon Valley was pumping all this money in. It's like, here we go. We're going to rewrite. No, it's all, it doesn't, no, 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 no. Value is created between people. Value is created in what we do together and for each other. And we give it a numerical value so that the value that you and I create together can be abstracted and then, and then someone else can be roped into that process, right? That's, that's ultimately what goes on here in this. The whole process is just ugh. And I concentrate as much as possible on the moment that is present in the work. All right. There's some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff that we saw at VIF Immersed. Uh, Going to be doing a write-up about that soon uh, because it's giving me insights into where the whole field is going and even into finally kind of calcifying and, and codifying just what it is about immersive particularly about digital immersive, but indeed, indeed about live immersive as well, that just some of the essential elements of the craft, uh, that, that really snapped into focus by, by checking different things out and kind of seeing what was resonating, uh, with what was getting awards, but also what was resonating with me, what was resonating with other people and just where the, where some of the excitement is. Um, there we go. Um, kind of a somber, sober day. Uh, what you going to do when, when you get the kind of news that we get. Um, and I don't want to be anything ever, but you know, uh, the best version of myself for you. And today the best version of myself for you is, is this guy. So there you go. Um, nothing if not aggressively authentic. All right. 
uh, let's do the credits, shall we? The sustaining backers of No Persinium, um, <laughs> who make it possible for us to do any of this stuff, are ba 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 ba. Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F. Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Samuel Mustry. I, I, I could probably do it from memory, but then I inevitably mess something up. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speak Easy Society. Brilliant, brilliant Chris Porter. Um, contact us. Uh, you can find everything we do at nopersinium.com. Our Patreon, uh, 16 cents a day. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash nopersinium. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at no Persinium. Check out our Instagram. It is a veritable archive of the behind the scenes of so much immersive throughout the United States and beyond at no underscore Persinium. Um, and on Facebook, we're at no Persinium. Um, we do what we do because we have a love of the craft uh, and we just want to make it better. And we want more people to know about it. And we need your help to do that. All right. Uh, next week on the show, I think it's uh, I think it's Julia Henning of uh, the Halogen Company, um, and we got a couple more surprises in uh, in store. A few more episodes in the can. Um, all right. Until then, until next time, I'll see you at the show.